0: Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week we travel to Finland.
1: Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monting. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry.
0: At the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites. And our live event, we will crown the winner of the second Cherry Song Contest. Hello, everyone.
1: Are you still with us?
2: <laughs>
1: I, I am. <laughs> Monty's here. I'm still here. So and, Just about. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can make a podcast at, at, at the bare minimum. So how are you doing, Monty?
0: Yeah, I'm doing all right, actually. We're still locked down. I'm absolutely... Gagging for a night out, um, but yeah, doing okay. The uh, it's nice to have the podcast back to help us through the week as well. It gives us
1: purpose and meaning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing. I'm still doing a bloody job. I've got purpose and meaning. Thank you. <laughs> I know
1: that's. The, it's weird, actually. I think we said before, didn't we? That it, uh, lockdown has made things worse for people or better for people in terms of how busy they are i'm absolutely bored out of my mind i want to go back to work i am over this now but for you i
0: haven't i haven't freaking stopped Mm. it's been so bloody busy um but yeah i'm looking forward i'm taking a day off in the sun next week um so i'm so looking forward to that
1: good self-care (laughs) <laughs> so, so as Monty said at the start of the show, we are in Finland, inverted commas, in Finland. Um, so, let's jump into their national final, UMK. Yes, so UMK, or Uumko was held on the 7th of March at the Mediapolis in Tampere, which God, seems like a million years ago now. It was hosted by Krista Siegfrieds, who, who we know and love on this podcast. She was the 2013 entry. She's been in Melfest a couple of times. And now she is pretty much nailed on every year to host UMK and, and what a host she is. UMK was a 50% vote and 50% international expert jury. This year, they reverted back to a national final with multiple artists, multiple songs. This is after, obviously, a couple of poor results, I suppose. Uh, When you look at Darud and Sara, who were both selected with that single artist, multiple song type of national final, which. I don't know, what, how did you feel about that one? Did you think it was the format that was wrong or the entries themselves? What what went wrong for Finland there, do you think?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. I I think it's difficult to say because on the surface there was nothing wrong with either of those entries by Darude or, or Sarah, And I, I still think Sarah was robbed. I still find it difficult to believe that she did so poorly in the final once she'd qualified. Um I don't know, maybe, I mean, perhaps they're styles of songs that, you know, we love as Eurovision fans, but they're not the style of songs that translate into the modern pop that is winning Eurovision, or the, the sort of, I mean, it's not always a, you know, a contemporary song, but it's, maybe the authenticity wasn't there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, in, unfortunately, in Darude's case, I think the vocal was off for... um What's his name? I forgot his name. (laughs) Sebastian. Sebastian
0: Sebastian. Ryman. Yeah.
1: Yes. And uh, I don't think it was the best song. But I agree with you. Sorrow Alto was, it was odd. I I know what it was, actually. I think they just threw the kitchen sink at the staging and it just put people off, I think, maybe. I don't,
0: I don't know. You see, I like a bit of kitchen sink. I like a bit of kitsch, yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, for me, the performance—I really liked it. I thought it had lots of elements that did work together. But yeah, maybe there were just too few, too many, too many things thrown in. Maybe it looked a little bit contrived on stage, which is a shame because that song is a belter of a song. Um, you know, it always you know really goes down well at a Eurovision disco. And yeah, I think it's a shame. I think when they managed to get big names, big Finnish names like that, it is a bit of a shame that the, you know, the rewards didn't come through
1: for them. And there were three good songs as well in that selection. It wasn't just Monsters. It was three really good, you know, solid songs. So I don't think, I don't think the format really matters. But this year... They did decide, Wiley, to, uh, they got some help from Wiley X, which is like a youth radio for song selection. So they've gone to this more multiple artist, multiple song, this sort of that standard national final feel, um, a more youthful approach. What did you think about that, Monty, the the standard of songs altogether, before without going into detail?
2: Yeah,
0: sure. I mean, I thought The Standard of Songs was generally fairly good this year in the Finnish final. Um, You know, it was one of the ones there was a lot of excitement about and more of that later. But I think I quite like the return to linking it to the sort of you know upcoming contemporary music scene domestically you know Estonia does that Latvia does that and I think that's quite a nice link when we had UMK before it was the single artist formats. we had quite a really interesting diverse range of um of of talent in it there was a was one year, it was one of the last years we before we took a break on Second Cherry in the first carnation of it, that the it was the year that the um the punk band, the punk band with learning disabilities won, and that finish final was just the most bizarre lineup that you've ever seen. It had everything. It had so many diverse and unexpected and unusual styles. I think something like that will be, will be difficult to top. But this year was a good year. I think I like the return to the multiple artist format and this was certainly good
1: Yeah I agree It was a return to form I suppose in some ways But um, what actually happened In the national final So let's talk about Krista First of all I love her Make no bones about it I love her I did that cheeky little interview With her last year Before Eurofest um, And I just fell in love With her in person
0: She's great fun isn't she I got to interview her For one of the Oge UK um, bachelors A couple of years ago And she is great fun I mean I have to say When she was first in uh, Eurovision and every, the only thing you could hear from 100 metres away was her screaming about her ding dong it was really annoying <laughs> but she's just I don't know, the fandom seemed to have taken to her, I mean she throws herself at everything, but actually she's she's got such a good heart about it, I think there's something you know very engaging in it, and boy can she perform
1: Yeah, she's she's got it all really i mean and i i I, I hate saying like judging people on their looks but she honestly up close she is stunning she is like the most beautiful woman i've ever seen in my life what's become quite accustomed to umk now is this opening number and krista she can do camp like without it being naff right umk every time she's done the last two years opening number it has been full-on camp but not naff, it's just, it's it's totally her. It's got a bit of playful sort of quality to the performance, but she still has that underlying good vocal, you know, good... Um, she, I mean, she gives everything to the performance. And it was the same this year. She had these Rotterdam sailors and she she started on i think it was it was an anchor or a star or a boat or something and then with the opening shot with this tattoo on her leg rotterdam say it was just camp but just the right side of camp it was just excellent and along long may it continue i hope she comes back next year in the same in the same way there was
0: i love the aesthetic of it it was very it was that kind of jean paul gaultier sailor aesthetics a slightly campy they had amazing outfits on. I mean, they they had the, the sort of the men's choir in the sort of the sailor stripes, but all this kind of sort of, you know, cartoonish sailor boy charm. Um, and they had body stockings that had, you know, kind of sailor's tattoos on them. So they looked as though, you know, they had all of those kind of you know, dockyard tattoos, which just looked gorgeous. I mean, who doesn't love a, a docker or a stevedore Fantasy. I mean, <laughs> and when you've got, you know, that being acted out in, in cartoon camp, it was just brilliant. I mean, this is what I mean, really, about the essence of her as a performer. She can really sell it. And, yeah, she's made for Eurovision and the Eurovision world. Yeah,
1: and we will embrace her. And so, obviously, there was a winning entry for UMK, and it was Axel... Okay, I'm gonna do it. Axel Kankaranta? Yeah, that. Um his, his his song Looking Back. Which is funny because last year's entry with Darude was Look Away. This year it was Looking Back. Maybe next year they will look forward. But his, so let's have a little let's have a little listen to the winning song.
2: Now it's too late to say all the seasons have changed, didn't
1: Monty, what do you reckon?
2: Well,
0: do you know, I do actually like this song. Um, I think there's something really quite charming about it. There's something quite charming about him as a performer. Um, I do feel that once you get about a minute into it, you've heard everything it has to offer. It builds slightly, but it's pretty much, you know, more of the same as what you get in the first minute. So, although that minute is lovely, it... Doesn't really go anywhere after that. You know exactly where it's going to end up. Was it the right choice for Finland? Well, I mean, that's that's the discussion we're going to have
1: tonight. Well, I'll tell you what then, Monty. Let's get into it now, then. Let's get into the songs.
0: So... The first song that we're going to listen to, and we're going to actually listen to all five of the other entries in the final, because there weren't that many, we can go through all of them. It's uh, called Bananas, and it's by Femme.
1: What do you make of that? This is this is probably the most interesting song of the selection for me and for these reasons. Now, in the studio, great. Live, it loses something. The, 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 the vocal was a little bit off, a little bit dodgy. Nothing crazy bad, but just a bit off. I think a song like this needs more, needs to do more in order to grab votes. Because my question is who is voting for this song? Because, now this is not me being ageist, because I don't actually know the age of the three women on stage, for fun, so it, I'm blind, I'm making this comment blindly. Whatever their age is, it feels like it's a mutton dressed as lamb a little bit, like older women trying to be younger than they are. I say that not knowing their ages. Whether they are young, they just, it just didn't seem authentic there's the word it, it's not authentic to me it was a bit tropey so lots of hey hey haze, you know a girl group singing hey hey haze is done to death nowadays the lyric helsinki state of mind is like a new york state of mind my- it just it seemed quite tropey and copycat i think it's about it's a song about you know women on a night out doing crazy things you know trying new things and I felt like maybe if there were more dancers on stage interacting with them, it would have felt like a girls' night out, a party, a real feminist anthem. It would have had more to it, maybe, you know, appealed to more people. The song is great, though. As I said, in the studio, it it was a good version. So this made my playlist, and I still listen to it now. Um, I think just the way they staged it, like these weird kind of real-life Powerpuff girls with the three colours, with the three background, it just was a bit clumsy for me I think is probably the best way to describe it
0: Interesting Yeah I think there's probably more to the song than there was in the performance This was the first of the UMK songs to be revealed because they were revealed over a period of time not all together and there actually was quite a buzz about this when people first heard it and people really seemed to like it The name it wasn't until I think the UMK itself when they said their name because it's spelled f Three, the, the number three, M, uh, but pronounced femme. So that's put me off already. Um, there's something about it. There's something in the lyrics, which is kind of, there's a bit of a queer vibe going on because there's a, there's a sort of suggestion that she wants to get off with one of her girlfriends. And then there's a, in the, then the middle bit has this line about um, getting married to a boy or girl or someone else. So it's got this kind of sort of, I don't know, there's a little bit of a I Kissed a Girl vibe about it, but I'm not really sure they 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 fully pull that off. There was that bit in the performance where they they the two of them had flamethrowers and one of them went off this enormous yeah. great flame across the stage <laughs> and then the other one didn't work. <laughs> so it looks a little... She's just sort of you know holding this dud power tool. But there were, when I was watching it, there was something about watching the three of them on stage. and You know where you've got a band where, you know, one is clearly the talent... And the rest of them are there either because they got lucky or they're the mate of the talented one or they've got some seriously damaging shit on you. And that's how they <laughs> managed to get a place in the band. It felt a little bit like that. So Orange, the Orange one, was clearly the star. She was the better performer vocally and performance-wise. Um and you just had, you know, felt, you know, yeah. If you do make it one day, you're going to be Jerry Hallowell, and you're going to be the one that 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 breaks away. Maybe Jerry Hatherwell's the wrong analogy there, but you know the one who thinks they're talented and you know is clearly carrying the rest of the band anyway. Maybe uh, um oh uh, what's it called? Take that um the Robbie yeah well Robbie went off and, and well, was talented. Gary was kind of carrying the band vocally, and yeah, do you know what I mean though? Just there was one that was clearly head and shoulders a better performer, and I think would have been a better solo star than giving a, the the frankly the baggage of the rest of the group, unfortunately. But I do like the song. I really, really like this song.
1: Yeah, it made my playlist. You know, and I, I have to say, maybe you're right. Maybe it was a case of single artist like like a Krista cigarettes type character with backing dancers like just joining in with her girls night out maybe that would have worked better because then your your attention isn't split three ways you're trying to work out you jump into you jump into you I yeah I didn't quite believe it it felt like a concept song like you know this is what we want to try and achieve now let's just kind of like you know round off the edges and sand it up and polish it and I feel like it was just missing something which is a shame because it had a lot of energy you know the you could have done so much more with it I think yeah I think you're right. So the second song we're going to bring to you today is "Chichilina" by Erica Vickman. <laughs> Monty, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I don't know, but I mean, this seemed to pass me by in this election season this year. It didn't seem to, <laughs> you know, there was nobody talking about it or anything like that. <laughs> I'm mean, I, sorry. So, this, this song is effing everything. You know, it, I just, there's so many positive aspects to this. It's got that amazing... Finnish disco sound to it. There's something about this kind of pop music in the Finnish language that's just so juicy and gorgeous and it's like a sort of Schlager euro pop song but it's celebrating the character Cicciolina, the the um the the Italian she's Italian isn't she? I think she was um uh, known as a porn star, uh, she was the wife of the artist Jeff Koons, so appears in lots of his work as a muse, and um, also she became an Italian politician. So you've got this, you know, living iconic figure that the song is based around, and love the song, it's not really a, a you know, a bio song, a bio-bop of, uh, of Chicholina herself but it's um, it's using the character as a symbol of sexual liberation and I think that really works I think it's got the surface reading of it as being a bit tarty and a bit kind of slutty for want of a better word I know that's not always a you know really nice way to say but there's something that's much more than that because actually in the lyrics she's calling out the fact that there's a sexist um differentiation between the way that men are able to own their sexuality and the way that women are in society, so she's she's calling time on that, and I think that just kind of gives it the edge. It's not just this kind of over the top um nonsense um slutty song. It is actually grounded in some pretty you know decent femin uh, feminism.
1: Absolutely, and it's a bold choice because. I wouldn't say it's a novelty song but it's novelty adjacent and i think you're right that surface reading i think oh god it's just you know it's nuts because you know she did have two whopping great big bears on stage like you know bear costume dancers in costumes which was quite frankly batshit crazy but it it worked it worked it worked oh it absolutely worked yeah (laughs) yeah and you know, yeah, loving that biopic nature of of, of the song, it, it just yeah, it, it had something about it. It really did. Which I have to tell you my little story. Can I tell my little story? Yeah. Because it's it's the weirdest thing. The week I think it was the same week that UMK was on, I went on a date with an Italian guy. That that I, I'm saying that because it means something to me. So we we were talking about the podcast or whatever, and um we got on I don't know why, we got on to uh this national final and the fact that um you know there's a song called Cicciolina. and he was like oh right yeah you know so we're talking about because he's Italian he knows you know he's like I know Cicciolina, had a bit of a laugh about it. So then finished our drinks, I went to the bar. This is in the yard in London for the gays out there. Um went to the bar. At the bar was a guy who was I think for want of a better word an extrovert being really loud I stood right next to him and he was like giving a bit of jip to the Italian barman as well. Changing his drink and then adding stuff to it. Anyway, when I phrase, so I was sat there watching, listening to him. And anyway, he started talking to me. It turned out he, he's the best friend of Erica Vickman. And I was like, I've, this is so weird. I'm a Eurovision fan. I have a podcast. I'm literally on a date with an Italian guy. I've just been talking about Erica. And then here you are. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he started telling me, oh, I was at her wedding, showing me pictures of her at the wedding. It was just... Batshit crazy. And I went back. I was like, "You would not just believe me." I mean, oh no, 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 no. I, I heard, I heard from over the over the bar <laughs> your conversation. It was just a weird, and this was like the week of UMK. and I was just like, that is just the most weirdest thing to happen to someone. Um, anyway, not that it's really that you know interesting, but I just thought just that same week, how weird. Um, I want, but yeah, I want to just mention a little bit.
0: I mean, I think it's a fantastic story. I want to just mention a little bit about the um the the results um there. Because um, Chicholina came second, and I think there was an expectation. There was a there was a lot of hype about it. The Finch, she was uh, you know doing really well on the spinach. Uh, spinach, <laughs> she was doing really well on the Finnish Spotify, um, and she was expected. You know, she had all the media, she had all the attention in Finland, but also um, beyond there as well. And I think people were, you know, building this up to be a dead cert winner and people were building it up to be an iconic Eurovision song. And she was scuppered by the international juries. So we had eight juries and they were um, giving a range of points. Um, so four of the eight juries ranked Chichilina last out of all of the six songs. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. There's only two. There was, um, um, the UK jury, uh, the spokesperson of which was uh, uh, William from Wee Wee, uh they gave her maximum uh, points and the, the Spanish jury did as well. Uh, and that was Lucia Perez, um, uh, who was in Eurovision in 2011, who um, gave her um, top points there. And one of the juries was Bulgaria. Bulgaria, Sweden, Estonia, and Russia all gave her last place. I mean, I'm not suggesting that there's, you know, any foul play uh, happening there, but, you know, songs from country, uh, juries from countries where, you know, are they voting down their competition perhaps
1: there? Hmm. who was the Bulgarian who was the Bulgarian
2: was that Polygenova Polygenova
0: was the spokesperson yes but actually all of the uh, jurors so Vasil um, from the uh, Bulgarian delegation who we know uh, Borislav and one of the guys from Equinox were the the jurors there Um, it's got a breakdown on Wikipedia of who all the jurors were Um, so you can blame them uh, but yeah, she only got um, 58 points in the jury and Axel got 76 points. So um, although she got 99 in the public vote and Axel got 96, I think, it was too much for her to be caught, uh, for him to be caught. So yeah, she she lost because four jurors had her in last place. And that I find quite astonishing for a song that seemed to capture... The public imagination so much, and clearly was the Finnish public's choice to go to Eurovision. It was international jurors that stopped her getting there.
1: Wow, well, there you go. But she didn't make yeah. like it.
0: So, our next song that we're going to be having a look at is uh, I Let My Heart Break, and it's by Tika. Matt, what do you think of that?
1: Hmm. There was a couple of production issues with UMK this year, minor things, but I think this is probably the most noticeable. So there was a lot of camera work that went a bit awry, which is for this song probably most poignant because it kind of all revolved around a lot of camera work. She was being picked up, there's lots of like overhead shots. And she had to be placed in a certain way and it didn't quite work, which is a shame because it was just it, it, these things happen sometimes, it happens at Eurovision. We saw it l- l- last year. But it, it really scuppered her, I think, a little bit. The song's quite dramatic. She sang it really well, but there's no hook for me. It didn't, it didn't hook me. Um I liked her styling. I felt like the red dress and their their hair and the sort of like the decompartmentalized hair. Um just I loved, I loved that. Um it just yeah, it, it didn't really grab me. And I think I think now we can call time on a pyro curtain. I think it's had its day, it doesn't have that effect that we think it does anymore. I think ESC Insight had that on their website, uh on their podcast. They spoke about this pyro curtain being over, and I'm in full agreement. It it's a bit cliched now. Are you
0: saying that the days of the golden shower have gone?
1: I <laughs> Uh in some circles of life, yes. <laughs> I mean don't
0: tell Jody that. Jody on the second cherry team. I mean he I mean he pops his cork for a pyro. And I think a golden shower curtain at the back of the stage on a key change, just when that crescendo is coming in, is enough to send him over the edge. <laughs> so oh no. yeah, I mean be careful what you wish for. <laughs> um I I like this. It was this it was very red. There was a lot of red lighting on this um power about it I think it was sung really well, but I think it was a little bit overshadowed by the other songs and I think you're right there was it was very reliant on the on screen effects and the effect when she was lifted up and shot from above shot on the camera nobody actually shot her, but you know what I mean there was it just didn't get the angle right, and it looked really clunky, and you were kind of. Just going, what? what? Hang on a minute, what, what's going on? And it, it distracted from the song, which was kind of sort of already dis- distracted from by some of the other things that were going on in the national final.
1: Yeah, I felt a bit sorry for her, really. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one we're going to be talking about is Lover View by Sansa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to be a
2: lover, you lover, you
1: What are your thoughts? Well, uh, the
0: staging for this was as blue and as pink as the previous song was red. <laughs> it was some very bold colours in the staging. I find myself reflecting more on the performance than I do on the song for this. Um, I think it was, the song itself was a little bit flat. Um, a little bit lifeless, I found. Um, on the presentation, she's standing on this sort of like enormous coffee table in the middle of a stage, and there's somebody flinging themselves around in a silhouette, which is to the side of her, and it's shown in split screen, um, on the stage. So it, it looked quite nice, but I just, I don't know, I can't, I can't really remember the song of all of them. It's not left a very big impression on me. And I think the, the, the biggest thing about it was the um the performance really
1: yeah i think the thing about this song is that it meanders it's a meandering song it's quite well produced like i in some aspects it's kind of one of the better songs i think of the bunch but uh, yeah missing something the the staging i thought was excellent she is standing on a on like a coffee table type thing which i think well, if it was to go to eurovision obviously they would have none of that it would all be be a bit better But um, yeah, the shadow image sort of mirroring her uh, pink and blue 80s lighting. I I quite liked all that. Uh, She sang it quite well. It was like a classic Robin, Nordic Robin feel, you know, like the sort of song she might she might release.
2: But maybe an album
1: track, not a lead single. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there were, I mean, we were in the region of dangerously close to Camel Toe. With what she was wearing, but um, maybe maybe that's why they made it pink and blue, it kind of like darkened the effect. No, look, it was <laughs> it was um, she she sang it well enough. It was just it was an all saran type song for me. Uh, they did the most they could with it. I think it's probably the best way to describe that.
0: Okay, so that leads us into our last song in this episode, which is called Eternity, and it's by Katerina Zulka. So I
2: did- you're the only part of me to eternity eternity oh that i am all that i know my love for you will live for generations so i give you all of me to eternity you're a
1: part of me to eternity i would so very basic staging there's blue and there's white swirls and graphics but quite bland for me she she starts the performance a little bit tentative off key maybe just a a little bit um with some slightly rushed pronunciation but as the performance went on she kind of grew into it um don't know if it's nerves or what or because she kind of seemed to get a bit of energy about her towards the end so maybe it was something like she didn't feel the start of the performance but she you know she preferred the back end of the song I don't know but she, she seemed to be to, to grow into it the, the vocal became a bit better as the song went on the song itself I, I, I can't recall it now I can't I couldn't recall it at the time I couldn't recall it now it, it's a shame it's uh I think that the, the plus point of this is her um she seemed to have this sort of quite likable swag about her you know you kind of want to wheel her through the song but you're not going to get that at Eurovision, you're going to get people kind of expecting more and yeah, did little for me, I'm afraid.
0: Oh, you see, I really like this. I like the fact it starts slow and you think it's going to be like a power ballad, but then the dance beat comes in um, and it comes in at the right point. It doesn't come in where Valentina Minetta's came in, which was too late in the song. Um, it comes in after about a minute of it and it just lifts it. I mean, it's the kind of sort of pop schlager stuff that you're only ever going to really get at Eurovision or really these days only ever get at a national final. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I love national finals so much because this is the kind of um, pop song that as Eurovision fans we've loved for such a long time. Um, I thought it, the presentation was quite nice. Um, she looked as though she could do with a, another couple of years worth of experience to be at the point of really delivering this song. Um, but I thought, you know, they had some little floor projections on her. There was a, a couple of moments where she was kind of sort of going in for the big notes and she she had a, a bit of an unfortunate stance, I thought. It's kind of sort of, you know, as if she was sort of, you know, having a bit of a stomach cramp and trying to get the last bits out. Um, but yeah, there was... I, I Overall, I like this. It's the kind of thing that... For me, over the years, has had cherry written through it like a stick of rock.
1: Yeah, it's classic cherry for sure.
0: So that's all of the five songs. Uh, Which one is going to get the chance to be our second cherry for Finland? Well, we'll find that in a moment. But first, it's time for... Matt and Monty's Good Good Thing of the Week. week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So that's our fabulous new jingle. <laughs> Which makes me titter every time I hear it. Why did we decide to do this? But here we are. <laughs> Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. This is our regular look at something positive that's out there in the Eurovision fan sphere. Um, we just want to cut through some of the... The the, the the dark times that we're having at the moment and through some of the negativity that can be there, particularly on some sections of social media. And just highlight some of the nice things that we think are good. So this week, our good thing of the week that is good is Nikki Tutorials.
1: Yeah, I, I, we thought this would be a good one to do because she was a new addition to the Eurovision family this year. Um, as a as a host, um, and also as the uh, and as like an interviewer for some of the uh, YouTube uh, stuff that was that the Eurovision team were doing, but we wanted to highlight her because for one reason that she had the most incredible sort of rapport with these artists. You know, she did every single artist, and they were all very different from all walks of life in different countries, and and she just had this nice tone about it she she was really likeable she made the people feel at ease she pushed them a little bit for the questions that we all want answers to but then she pulled back again you know she wasn't it was going to be quite a light sort of top level interview Um, but she just nailed it i think Um, and she was the perfect choice for that type of interview you know we if you take out junior eurovision you have to think of ways how can we get younger people interested in the main contest, the adult contest, and this was a really good way to get those younger viewers because Nikki Tutorials, now Monty, I don't mind admitting, I know you don't mind admitting, we didn't really know about her until recently, Um, I think if you didn't know about her through Eurovision then you might have heard her from when she was forced to come out um, for being transgender and it's... um, is that when you heard about her, Monty?
0: Yeah, I hadn't heard of her before, but obviously uh, given the, the the field I work in, um, any LGB or trans-related story I tend to pick up on. Um, and I just thought it was... I mean, first of all, it's awful that anybody is forced to to be out, to forced out against their will. Uh, not, of course, that there's anything wrong with being uh, LGB or trans, but it's a private issue for people and uh, you know if you want to come out and identify publicly grey but otherwise you should have the right to privacy and she was kind of forced out because uh, somebody was going to out her um, so she took the you know she took it into her own hands and took the power back uh, which I think was really really impressive but I hadn't heard of her before um, an an enormous YouTube following so I think absolutely as you say really engaging a different kind of audience and what I thought was really good about her interviews for for um, the uh, official YouTube channel, was that she was engaging and she was positive, but she was never kind of fawning over the artists. Um, you know, she was there to put them as the stars of the interview and not to try and build her part in any way but yet her presence and her calmness and her friendliness and her likability in the interviews just really endeared her to me, and I think to a lot of other people. I really hope that she is an element of the show that's carried forward to next year as well. I think they would be foolish to lose her after she's made such a, a positive impact
1: this year. Yeah, there's literally no negative about what she did. The 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 Shine a Light show that they did I think it was all scripted and it was a bit weird. So I don't, you know, she couldn't do much with that. But that free form interview, she absolutely nailed it. And yeah, let's fingers crossed she's back because I think we found a new, a new sort of element to our to our fandom and we'll we'll embrace her. And we think she's good. So that's why she's in our good thing of the week. That is good.
0: Matt and Monty's good, good thing of the week. week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good. That is
1: so. Moving on to the reason why we do this podcast, and Monty, over to you to announce who is our finished cherry.
0: Well, this is the clue to who we've chosen tonight. When me and my girls go out, we go out dressed like chi Lina. <laughs> 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 we have chosen. It's the. The it's the least surprising thing in the whole of this year as of uh, second cherry we have chosen Chicholina by Erika Vickman as our second cherry for Finland. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have absolutely no problem with Erica Vickman being our cherry. I think it was pretty much universal in the team. Uh, It was probably the easiest selection of the year. I am very excited to see how she might do in the second cherry fun contest.
0: I think it was a given Uh, and pretty much selected in... The the seconds after it was realised that she hadn't been selected for Eurovision, that she was the Second Cherry entrant. But you know what? Ever since she didn't get through in the finish final, we've had people saying to us, Well, there you go, Chichulina is the winner of Second Cherry this year. And I think, hold on a minute. How can you say that a song that was supposedly a dead search to win its national final, and has just lost it, how can you possibly say that to dead Sir in another competition? You know, we will not know what has won Second Cherry until those last few votes on the final night itself. That is when we will know. And that's what makes this such an interesting year
1: for me. What makes it quite interesting as well is that the fact that you've got a passage of time, you've got the summer, you know, and it's a Weird kind of summer, everything's changing, nothing's a given nowadays. That's something we we're all learning quite quickly. This this contest will end in October, November time. And you know, time is a wonderful thing. It changes your mind. It makes you think. So we'll we'll wait and see. I think you're right. This is um certainly not a foregone conclusion, I don't think.
0: Absolutely. Will people still want Chicholina then or you know, will they not give us stuff about her and actually want to go bananas
1: instead? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so there you have it that's our finished Cherry uh, for 2020 Chicholina by Erica Vickman so Matt our gorgeous audience can get in touch with us if they want can't they
1: they can there's a few things I've got a few I've got a few any other business going on here so you can you can contact us on Twitter which is at Second Cherry on Instagram which is Second underscore Cherry and on Facebook, Second Cherry Podcast, we want to hear from you. In email. We keep saying this and I'm going to keep saying it week in, week out. Email us. We'll read it out. We don't have to if you don't want us to. You can say but still email us. And we want to We want to uh, read out your comments, questions, and, and anything you want to say, really. So, Monty, if people want to do that, what is the address to email us at? Hello! At secondcherry.vision. One more time, please. Much more camper. Hello! <laughs> Second Cherry Dot Vision. Lovely. <laughs> and just one more thing I want to mention actually is that this week there is the nominations have been open for a while actually, but this week we we stumbled across the British Podcast Awards and there's like a listeners award and we were just want people to vote for us that we win. there's no way we'll, we'll we'll win but we just want to get let's try and get a bit of traction so if you want to vote for us i think you go to just search british podcast awards it's the first thing that comes up and you type in second cherry and we autofill it comes up it's there and uh vote for us uh please we'd love that and um if you don't do that then you can at the very least give us uh, a five-star review on your podcasting platforms so that would be lovely to see
0: and thank you to everybody who has voted for us already we know a few of you have that means a lot to us yeah we don't have a chance of winning but it helps get a bit of publicity for the podcast it puts us on the radar of some of the people in the the podcasting industry makes us sound very official and proper
1: (laughs) (laughs) well at least we're not doing it like half half pissed now so uh, it's good. Um, so, so that's the end of the sh- that's the end of the show. We're going to go get pissed now. Um, thanks, thanks for sticking with us for second for the second episode. The third episode will be revealed in the week. Maybe we don't know what it's going to be at at the moment. We've chosen a few cherries already, so we have got some things lined up for you. But more on that later. So it just leads us to say goodbye for today. So it's bye from me and bye from me. See you later. See you next
2: week. Bye. bye. <laughs>